Welcome to the Love Fly Podcast. Paul Tizard here, and today's guest is a returner. Uh, welcome back, Fiona. Fiona, part two. Yay. <laughs> oh, a bit more enthusiasm would be great. Yay! <laughs> so, Fiona, if you haven't listened, I think it was episode 91, as I saw someone mentioning it in the comments earlier on, possibly, that you're on. And Fiona was came and spoke to us about her sort of pronounced fear. And mm-hmm. perhaps you could give us a bit of a, a, like a mini potted history of where you were when we sure. spoke last time and then we'll talk about where you've got to now because I think it'd be really interesting. Yes so I like a lot of people that I've seen in the group and I you know I thought I was uh, a lost cause I I hadn't uh, hadn't flown for over 25 years and um, since found out from seeing people in the group that I'm, I wasn't the only one but it the fear had built up so much that I used to get recurring dreams about it. I was convinced that, like absolutely convinced without a doubt that if you made it to the other side, you were lucky. Like that's, I just had this, it it, it was just this huge, I'm not going to say irrational fear because the, my lack of knowledge at the time made it rational to me. But anyway, cut a long story short, I decided that I I wanted to go to the UK. I live in Canada. I wanted to go to the UK, which is where I'm from originally. My plan was to move there. And obviously that meant flying. I mean, I had looked into all my other options. <laughs> but obviously. Not that cheap, though. Not that cheap and not that practical. And, you know, I wanted to get over this fear. It was like... Hmm the biggest one of the biggest things in my life and a very good friend of mine uh just googled and found love fly on on the internet and i my first i guess my first connection was i did the the webinar um on a saturday which i don't know if you've done one since but i that was amazing absolutely amazing and then from there, I joined the Facebook group. I listened to podcasts and then I did my own podcast. And the upshot of it is that I got on a plane. Ooh. <laughs> I came back again <laughs> and I'm still here. And you're alive. Yes. I'm alive. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> this is just so what one of our deals was, which we didn't quite which I'll take responsibility for, was we were hoping that when you came to the UK that we would do this Fiona part two in some sort of pub somewhere. But yes. uh, yeah, it yes. didn't happen. Well, you know, yeah. I, I did want to. And I mean, you know, my plans kind of changed a little bit when I was there. Travel around the UK, honestly, like getting on a plane and going there was the easiest part of my whole travel when I was it's very, very, I find it very difficult to get around the UK, considering how small it is. Mm. 
going up and down seems to be fine, but getting across is difficult. So, yeah, we didn't really quite get it together. But, you know, I am planning on coming again and moving there. So I'm sure we'll we'll do that at some point. So Okay. So yeah. tell us about the flight then, because you, you've been avoiding it for 25 years, mm-hmm. and then you've jumped on some transatlantic flight, Canada to the UK, and gone yeah. back. Yeah. So how were you before the first one? What was it like in between? Any sort of like, uh, you know, ups and up and downy bits or was it? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, leading up to the the trip over there, I mean, there was a lot of, as I explained in, in part one, there was a lot of emotions tied into this trip because I hadn't been back for, you know, over 25 years. I was leaving my daughter here, who, you know, she's in, she's in her early 20s. So it's, she was, there was a lot of things like, you know, I had to leave the house. She was responsible for the house, the cat, blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot of stuff. I, you know, just in terms of like all the practical things, like just, you know, finding accommodation when I was there, like booking the flight, health insurance, all this stuff luggage packing Mm. the fact that I actually got out of the house that day that I left was a miracle um I'm sure my daughter could just breathe a sigh of relief when that why why is it a miracle to get out of the house just because there was a lot of all this stuff to I I was getting very anxious about just the practicalities of it getting to the airport I'd done a trial run getting to the airport but you know what what's funny is that and it just goes to show you know the best laid plans because on the actual day that I left the train that I was supposed to get to the app to downtown was cancelled and I ended up having to get an uber all the way downtown and blah 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 it was just a lot of Getting to the airport was was the hardest part of that whole trip. Hmm. But the days and the weeks leading up to this trip, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night, huge anxiety. It, it would just hit me. I'd have ups and downs, up, you know, where I was feeling very positive. And then I would just be like, oh, I can't do this. I can't mm-hmm. do this. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, and you very kindly gave me that pep talk on I think it was the Sunday before I left which was really helpful I forgot about that yeah yeah Yeah, that was that was amazing and thank you for that that's all right I'd Um, forgotten (laughs) yeah I know it seems like a long time ago yeah it does so yeah so I got to the airport I I think it was still it was all a bit of you know looking back now it was all it was very exciting you know, I, I, I think back on it now and I'm like, oh, God, that was so exciting. I was I got on the Up Express to the airport, got to the airport, got through security, which was like the most stressful two minutes of my life. Yeah, I guess um, if you haven't done it for 25 years, it's it's oh, changed somewhat, hasn't it? Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. It was like there were bins coming at me and I had to take my boots off. I had to, you know, I was like throwing stuff in the bin and another bin was coming and I was just... <laughs> it was so stressful so then I got through all that and I got to the airport really really early so I had about my flight wasn't until midnight so I think I had about four hours to wait 
so I did some, you know, I got my laptop out, I did some work. And I think it was, it was a bit surreal, you know, because I, because there I was in the airport, I was doing it. And I still couldn't believe it. It's quite interesting that you've got four hours. So for a lot of people waiting at the airport, especially when it comes to the evening where you start to get sort of tired, hungry mm. and all that stuff, and you've got your laptop out and did some work. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's I just thought... normal stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And I went to get a coffee and I sat. And one thing that really helped was where I was sitting, there was actually a family um, sitting just across from me. And there was a couple of young kids I think, I can't remember if they were Canadian or British. Anyway, they were going to be on the same flight as me. And and watching the kids and just seeing how normal this was for mm. them, I got the impression that they did this a lot. Yes. And so that really helped. I saw some, there, there was some, you know, I, try, I, I guess I just tried, I tried not to look at the people too much because part of my, the main issues that I had leading up to this were security, like terrorism and safety. And I knew that I would have a problem with actually the part that when I, when I was watching or listening to your audiobook or watching one of the podcasts, the part that really caused me the most anxiety was where it comes to walking down the tunnel, board, boarding, basically, walking mm. down that tunnel and actually getting on the plane. And I knew that was going to be an issue. And it was kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because sure enough, as I was walking down the tunnel, and I might cry now, actually. It's all right. It, it was, I just, I like I broke down. Yeah. I still can't believe I did it. <laughs> and it was very difficult. I. I just kind of really, I just started crying and and the, the cabin crew were amazing. Mm. They, you know, the woman at the door, she was like, she hugged me. She got, the, she looked at where I was going to be sitting and I guess she, she knew who was going to be looking after that section. So she introduced me to him. He was amazing. And then... It was kind of like I, I knew that I was expecting that to happen mm. and it happened. But then once I sat down, I was actually fine. <laughs> so did, and, what do you think the tears were then? I mean, because, you know, they could be all sorts of reasons. At the time, it was just because that was my, that was my trigger. That was my mm. trigger for anxiety. It was, and that was the part that, you know, when I thought about flying, I don't know. I guess it. I guess it's just that it. That's it's like the point of no return, right? Yeah. And just the fact that I was kind of expecting it, I would have been surprised if I hadn't. If mm. some, if I hadn't had that happen, the tears now are because I, I still can't believe it <laughs> that I did it. Yeah. But yeah, so when I, and once I sat down and he and the guy came to check on me several times, and I was like, oh, "I'm fine now, I'm mm -hmm. fine." 
Yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, and he even he offered to. They they were great, and you know I have to say so on on the flight going over, it was a big Airbus. I can't remember which one it was, but it was like a you know there were three sets of seats, and it it seemed very because it was at night. It was they had this really nice lighting. It was kind of like purpley hmm. pink lighting, and it was all it was all really lovely. And I'll tell you about the flight coming back in a minute, but it was almost magical. Mm. That's the only way I can describe it. And, you know, we took off. The guy, the, the, the cabin crew, um, the guy um, even offered, he said, you know, do you want to, there's a seat, there's an empty seat with more leg room. Do you want to sit there? And I was like, no, no, it's fine. I'm fine here. I'm all settled. <laughs> I was all, you know. <laughs> and it was a non-event. Yeah. That is amazing. So, so apart from the, so there was a some tears when you you hit one of your trigger points. We could have just been a release as well, you know, a release. You know what? Release. I think it was. I think mm. it was. Yeah, I think it was all that, like everything that had built to that point. And I think you're actually right. I hadn't thought of it that way, and maybe that's why afterwards I was, I was fine because I literally I cannot express how fine I was <laughs> after that <laughs> like to the point where it was it was a bit weird you yeah. know well you've done really, the work haven't adrenaline you? Yes. and excitement because I was so excited about going to the UK mm. you've done the work though Fiona haven't you so you you put the time yeah. in, you've done that you've done our webinar you'd also been on the pod you know listen to the podcast been on the been the Facebook group so all this sort of time and also even though it was 25 years of having the fear and avoiding it, you were determined to. And so uh, I think that was the motivation was really helpful for you. Yeah. Yes. The motivation was great. And, you know, I'd done a couple, a couple of things that, you know, if anyone listening wants to know, like for me personally, what, what really helped was like, we always say in the group, knowledge is power. Mm. And, you know, so like I said, my my things were security and safety. That those yeah, were my yeah. two things. So you know, the podcasts that I listened to were the ones that were to do with those two things. And I just kept in mind, like like I'd been telling people in the group leading up to this, it's safe. Hmm. Like there's nothing to be scared. Like it's, you know, it, it there's there's nothing to be scared of. So what, what so, was so the turning me, point for you? Because that's that's quite a strong statement. Sorry to cut across you there. That's quite a strong statement, you know, to say it's safe, you know, because you didn't think that before. So what was the th- what was the thing? Well, I think partly it was just to backtrack a little bit. One of my one of my biggest things was my fear of flying over large bodies of water. Mm. So you know, learning the flight parts and learning that you know uh, i you know i think also it, knowing that if every single eventuality has been covered by the people who are the professionals knowing that so there's you know it's not like i think when i thought about something going wrong on a flight i i always imagined everyone to be panicking yes you know but knowing that near enough 
every single thing has been accounted for made made a really big difference. Trusting these people who are so well-trained, so knowledgeable, you know, putting my trust in them, not having to be responsible, not watching the cabin, not having to be like, it, it's not up to me to have to check everything. <laughs> And I think a lot of people who have this fear feel like that because I know it's been talked about in the group a lot. Mm. You know, mm. it's not our job to, you know, alert the cabin crew to something going wrong because, you know what I mean? It's like we just, you don't have to do that. You trust these people who are, you know, like I said, like the professionals. So so learning about the flight pods, learning about, you know, just all these things that have been taken into account. The thing with, you know, about security, uh, that was still a bit of a, a tricky point for me, but I think I got to the point where I was either like, okay, well, you're either doing this flight or you're not. So if you're going to yes. do it, you're just going to have to trust that mm. these people are doing their job, you know. So, yeah, that's all, all I can say is, just whatever your fears are, because I know from the group, I mean, you know, it's funny because a lot of people have this thing about checking the weather, you know, the fear of turbulence. None of that occurred to me. Mm. That, that's not that's not an issue for me. One thing, I, there was a video I watched, and I can't remember the woman's name, but she talked about how every step in your journey was taking you close think about you know it's taking you closer to where you want to be and because I really wanted to be in the UK so much and honestly that when I first when we were coming when we were landing and I got my first glimpse of the UK that was like that, that was amazing that must have been oh. amazing oh it was and you know what's funny is I kept before my journey, before my trip, I kept thinking, oh, it's going to be so weird to be back in the UK and surrounded by all these UK accents. And I was flying into Manchester where I'd never been in the whole time I'd been living in the UK. So that was, I thought, oh, that's going to be weird being surrounded by all these like Manchester accents. But it was actually, I felt like I was home. I felt like mm. I'd come home and it was the most natural thing in the world. And that's the way my whole trip was and I, I was there for I extended my trip by a week so I was there almost three months in total and I can honestly say that in the time that I was there I kept thinking should I be doing this all again should I be should I start listening to the podcast again should I do that 30-day mm. program again you know watch so what I I felt like I didn't really need it yeah. But I thought I should, if that makes sense. Yes. So I I didn't go through the whole 30-day program. I just picked out the videos that mm. some of the ones that had really been helpful, like Steve Pilot, Steve talking, and, you know, just, just the ones that I knew would be helpful. But my lack of anxiety about the trip back it, it's almost bizarre that I I just didn't have any. And I was looking forward to coming home back here as well because I had missed, you know, as much as I'd loved my time in the UK and I am planning on moving there permanently, 
after when it was getting to you know about two and a half months of being there I was missing my I was gonna say missing my cat I just say first of all I was missing my daughter <laughs> then I was missing I'll take cat. that bit actually about the cat <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen does she <laughs> no no and I was just, you know, I was just missing having my stuff around me and, you know, mm. being in my own bed and stuff like that. So I was looking forward to coming home. So, you know, maybe that was that was that was part of the reason too. And the flight home was very different to the the flight going. Oh, so. this is interesting because your motivation now slightly changed, hasn't it? Because you've you've now sort of broken the back of it. You've had that twenty-five year gap got on the flight yes you've had a a good experience you've been there for three months and now you're back coming back yeah yeah and one thing I should say I know this obviously this won't be the same for everybody because everyone has different issues with you know reasons for the fear but I for me and I had a feeling this it was this for me it was literally like how can I describe this? I'm not going to say that taking that flight was like a magic bullet and it got rid of all my fear, but I had the feeling that I just, it, I, it was like this block. And if I could just do it and I knew if I could just do that, then I would probably be okay. And, and I think that's exactly what happened. So yeah, so maybe that's why I didn't I didn't have the anxiety about the flight back. But what's interesting about the flight coming back? So it was a it was during the day. Uh, I think my flight was around eleven thirty in the morning. Stayed overnight near Manchester Airport to get to the airport in time. So that was nice, you know, just staying in a hotel, and you know that was. It's nice and a little bit of luxury. But then, oh, and, and I'd met someone too on the, shuttle, on the shuttle bus to the airport. I was chatting to this woman who was going to be on my flight. She lives just outside of Toronto. She was going to be on my flight. She was a lovely, mm. lovely lady. So at the airport, we sat together. We chatted the whole time. But everything about the flight coming back was just, crummy it was and strong li- words literally <laughs> air transat you need to get your vacuum cleaner out <laughs> so we were literally so first of all like everything from the fact that for some reason in manchester airport some of the get some of the boarding gates you have to go downstairs and there's no escalator or elevator so you're struggling with bags mm. I don't know why they do that so our boarding gate was one of these ones that was down oh then for, so very first of all when I was checking my luggage they said they needed to check my carry-on because the flight was so full that they needed to do that so that threw me into a bit of us because I was like oh my god what have I got in there that I need to get out and you know yeah. all this so off so my carry-on went away which was actually turned out to be quite nice, actually, that I didn't have to have that. So then me and uh, this lady, Susan, we were waiting to board. We were literally the last people to board. 
like literally. Mm. And it was just, you know, we'd had to struggle down to this gate and waited forever to board. So just before you sort of, so apart from, you know, I'm liking the crummy flight run through, but what was your sort of mental state preparing for this fine. flight? Yeah. I was fine. Like I, I was fine. And I, maybe it was because, you know, I, I was chatting with this, woman and she she did this flight a lot across mm. so you know that kind of again it was this the the biggest thing and I think the biggest thing for a lot of people in the group from what I've read is it needs to be normalized it's as normal as you know when I was in the UK I got on multiple buses multiple trains did I did quite a bit of you know traveling mm. Didn't think twice about it. Coaches, I want to plug the National Express coach service as well because they were great and, you know, because train strikes and everything, you can't rely on that. But, uh, but yeah, you know, everything. And I did, didn't think twice about it. Mm. And I think that's what people ha- should try. And once you kind of think about flying like that, that really helps that it literally is. And so, and this is why I'll just finish up my, just about the trip. So, yeah. you know, I, it was a small plane as well. And when we got on, I was like, Oh, this is, this is really small. It was literally, it was just like two aisles. And I, my initial thought was, Ooh, is this, it wasn't like I was literally thinking, is this going to be able to make it a, back yeah yeah but it was kind of like somewhere in my thoughts it was like for some reason the nice big fancy airbus was so much was safer Mm. than this little dinky plane Mm. it it wasn't full at all so uh we actually had a there was a guy sitting by the window and there was a seat between us so that was kind of nice yes but generally other things were the cabin crew, they just, they didn't seem to be working very well as a team. There was a lot of like, one one of them seemed to be obsessed with like moving things around the, what do you call it? The, the you yeah, know, the, the storage things. Yeah. 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 The plane was really dirty, really dirty, which was, I was really surprised about. Mm. And that made, so that made me think there was one of the podcast, or was it your audio book, talks about a scruffy maintenance crew person. And that came to my mind when I was looking at the, because there was like crumbs on the floor, there was garbage under my seat. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think maybe I noticed, maybe that big fancy Airbus going had been dirty too, but because it was at night, I hadn't noticed it, but I noticed everything here. Mm. But then I was thinking about that, how you said, you know, like you might be looking at like a, oh, he's scruffy, like he he can't do his job well. So that, then I thought, okay, just because the plane is not clean, not the cleanest doesn't have any bearing on anything else. No. And that's a, that's a good link. That is the audio book where I talk about that. So it's, right. yeah. I, I mean, it's natural though, isn't it? I can imagine a lot of people could relate to that. You get on board and you sort of you maybe see some crumbs around as you've called them. You might think, well, if they haven't cleaned it 
then how do I know they serviced it? So you could un- you could exactly. understand the logic, can't you? <laughs> I, th- I think that was like my subconscious thought, and and I I, I just remember on that flight back just thinking, oh, what what was it I was thinking? It it was just I was thinking a lot about you and how you how can I say this? You know, all the things that you do and all the, you know, the mm-hmm. everything about Love Fly, you wouldn't be doing that and talking about the safety if it wasn't true. And it's, I'm, I'm not really explaining myself very well. But I, th- I, think, I, I think basically what I'm trying to say is even though the, the plane was this smaller plane, the flight wasn't that great, my luggage got dented and ripped, mm. which I wasn't happy about. It, you know, you get on a bus and buses are dirty, It, but it doesn't have anything to do with the safety. It still gets you to where you want to be. And I think the fact that the, the plane was like that and the flight wasn't this magical mm. journey like it had been on the way over was actually really good for me because mm. it's, like I said, it could just kind of normalized it all. Yeah, yeah, it was like a good, like a good test almost, wasn't it? Like... Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, now we did have a bit of turbulence on the way back, which I, I the flight over hadn't hadn't been turbulent at all. And so at one point they there was an announcement that said you know to put your seatbelts on. But they didn't say it was because of turbulence. So immediately I kind of thought, oh. mm. I, I, I don't I don't know if this is true. My, my daughter said, oh, well, they never say that it's because of turbulence. They just tell you to, like, is that is that right? That they never tell well, different, you that? Different or? airlines do different things. But no, uh, I don't think it's uncommon to hear the crew say, we're expecting some turbulence or, you know, things are okay. get a bit bumpy or something. That's not a normal kind of thing. Yeah, so they didn't say that. They just said to put the seatbelts on. And so then I was thinking about, you know, what, what you said about cabin crew don't, they're not conspiring to keep things from you. You know, it's not, no. there's nothing weird going on, you know. We, um, although we do tell them to put their seatbelts on if they're annoying. So oh, okay. <laughs> maybe, perhaps it was a, you know, a, a whole flight full of annoying passengers. No, I'm only joking. I don't do that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? So that, that would oh, they're sense. annoying. Put the seatbelts on. <laughs> yeah, and actually, there was a very, very annoying man behind me on the. That was another thing on the on the flight back. There was there was a man. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say he was annoying because he was he was elderly and he was his wife. I don't think she was she was very well, but there was a there was a lot of stuff going on mm. on that. She so had a lot to do. A lot of other factors to uh, to deal with. Yeah, yeah. It just it just wasn't you know. But again, it it's so what got me to where I want to be, and you know, um, there was something else I was going to say about the flight. I can't remember. But yeah, and so, you know, and and I have to say, like turbulent. I mean, it wasn't like terrible turbulence. It was enough that we had to put our our seatbelts on. Mm-hmm. But again, like I said before, that it's funny how different things. That, affect different people because it really doesn't bother me at all now maybe no. if it had been like extreme very severe mm. but you know i know from listening to the podcast that is 
I think Steve Ball was saying that that's severe turbulence has only ever happened to him like a handful of times in his yeah, whole career, right? Because right? if we know about it, we try to avoid it. it and again, it's about comfort. You know, but also it's for the crew as well. They they're the ones walking about. I bet you when you sat down with your seatbelts, they were still working. I think they were actually. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember them sitting down. Yeah. Um, So the crew, the crew are used to walking about in uh, light turbulence. It's only if it gets a bit more. Yeah, I think this was. Yeah, this was probably light light turbulence. Mm. And then she lived then anyway. Sorry. You lived. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, even things like, I think I mentioned this in the group the other day, you know, all the things that a lot of people don't like. I love taking off. I love landing. Banking. Love it. <laughs> you know, when you, it's like, whoa, you're going that way. Oh, <laughs> you're going that way. It's like, <laughs> like I love all that. What's like, wrong with you? <laughs> I know. It's funny because I don't, you know, I'm not. It's not like I'm a big fan of like roller coasters or anything. Yeah. Like that, well, I mean, if you're looking for that sort of thrill, flying on a commercial aircraft, it's not where you're going to get it. You'll, you know, if you want to go, if you want to do that sort of type of flying, you go out with Gita. She's doing a private pilot's license at the moment, so yes. she's probably going to do stunt flying next or something oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, she she'll probably be like, but walking, yeah, cause, walking cause, on the wing. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think it moves that much. Well, I, I, know, I, it, I, I like it feels the like it does right it feels mm. like because you know you see the land on one side and then yeah. you, see, you know <laughs> and I, I don't actually remember too much about the actual landing whether it was you know a hard landing or a soft landing it was just it was just landing it just landed yeah it just landed and it was all fine and you know and then Toronto Air, uh, Pearson Airport was crazy and then, and then at that point I just wanted to get home Mm. I just so. So how do you feel now? You mean you've done that? Oh, I want to. I want to get on. I want to fly again. I'm itching to fly somewhere. I mean, I've been thinking, oh, where can I fly? Like, and that the other thing too, I have to say is, I, I find it so boring. Like, just you know, seven. I'm not the kind of person that like that can sit still for seven hours and mm. I find that really, really hard. Um, so that was actually the hardest thing about yes. both flights. You know, I find it harder, you know, I, I yeah, I watched a movie. I, you know, tried to read. I actually did a little bit of work uh, on the way back. But, yeah, just I just find it so boring. So, yeah, so I'm – thinking oh where can I fly that would just be like a couple of hours you know just yeah because you know I I don't want to make a big sweeping statement and say I'm over my fear but this has been huge yes yeah (laughs) this has been a huge turning point in my life Mm. and I I still can't believe I look you know it hits me sometimes I'm like I mean, I I'm very proud of myself. I know it, it might seem weird, you know, that at my age that I'm saying I'm proud of myself that I did all this. But that whole trip, that was a lot of planning. That was a lot mm. of research just into, into little things like what's the best way to be spending money over there that I'm not going to get hit by fees, you know, things like that. Yeah. Like it was yeah. a lot of things. And I did that. And I'm not usually the kind of person that, pats myself on the back but 
I'm you going should, to. <laughs> you should. You should. You should be really proud. And and anybody listening to this will be punching the air. Unless they're British, <laughs> then we'll just go, yay. Or maybe a small give it a little, yay, you know, a little yeah, yeah, well, well done. <laughs> yes, bravo. Yeah. You know, so that's amazing. Yeah, 25 years of not flying and then having yeah. to do that significant and then coming over for two to three months. That's, that's stressful for anyone. And and you did it. Yeah. And I, and I think also, you know, it was, like I said before, it kind of was to the point where, okay, well, if I'm going to move to the UK and my daughter's going to stay living in Canada, there is going to be a lot of back and forth. I think I said this mm. in the first podcast. Yes. So I'm either going to do it or I'm not. I like that. Nice and simple. Yeah. So now I'm not saying that, you know, if I had another flight coming up soon, I'm, I'm not saying that I it wouldn't cross my mind. I, I'd probably still maybe brush up on some things, listen to some of the podcasts, you know, mm. that kind of thing. But, but yeah, it's it, it definitely has broken that that huge barrier. And again, like like a like I've kept, I keep saying, you know, everyone's reason for not flying is different. And I've often thought, you know, I, I see people in the group who say, oh, they used to fly, no problem. And then all of a sudden something mm. happened or they developed this fear. You know, I, I can't relate to that just because that's not my experience. But yes. I do know for anybody who is in my situation, and I do know there are quite a few people. There was a lady in the group just the other day. I think her name's Annette. Same thing, 25 years not flying. So I know there are a lot of people in my situation, and I've said this a million times in the group since, but honestly, if I can do it, mm. anybody can. Yeah. Like, I really believe that. With the help of Love Fly, of course. Because well. I couldn't have done it without you and the group. Well, on behalf of the Love Fly lot, you're welcome <laughs> it's very rewarding you know it's uh we could perhaps have i've noticed quite a few people haven't flown this this sort of 25 year thing but perhaps we could have a 25 year club you could all yeah. get together yeah you know. maybe it's you know i don't know maybe it is a thing where it's you know maybe after 10 years and, and then it's 15 years and then it's you know and i and i think Obviously, the longer you don't do it and, and the fear builds and it's just mm. becomes this huge thing. And you do, you know, you the worst thing about it, and I and I, I think there was it was it Debbie? There's someone in the group talking about this too, is you first of all, you miss out on so much by not flying. Yes. And oh, that and that's the one thing now. I, I'm like, that's why I, I'm kind of excited. I'm like, oh, where can I go now? I could do where I can go places. Mm. I, you know, I can. It, it it opens things up, and you know, it just living with any kind of fear is is it's it's a horrible way to live. It really is. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's it. And there's a couple of things I want to sort of highlight there. I love the fact that you quite rightly say it's about opening up you know open up your life fear limits you and mm -hmm. so there's and as people who've listened to the podcast will know there's people in my family who've never flown ever 
you know, but I don't think that they've lived half lives. I don't know whether it's fear or whether they just don't have the desire to, but mm. it is when you want to do something and then the fear is stopping you, then, then it becomes a problem. And, and, you know, as far as I know, we only get one go at this and it just feels a shame to, to let a fear rob you of choices. And I think that yeah. what you've shown though is that even though it's, it's been a long, you know, in that, you know, 25 years, that becomes your identity. So, oh, it was, you know, it I'm was Fiona weird. and I don't fly, you know, it's, and so it's a fundamental shift here. So it's no small thing that you've achieved and you should, uh, I mean, you should be so, so, so proud of yourself. Yeah. Um, well, you know. thank you. And, and yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, it was, it was really my identity. You know, when I talk to, to people about, you know, you know, obviously, like when when you live in a different country, people ask you questions, and you know about, or well, how often do you go back? And you know, I'd say, well, I, I don't because I don't like flying. And it was just everyone knew Fiona doesn't like not mm. doesn't like flying. Fiona has a fear of flying. She, Fiona doesn't fly, and I mean, right up to the last minute, my, my daughter was convinced that I wouldn't be able to do it. Maybe that was part part of my motivation. I don't know. <laughs> It does help sometimes to sort of do it for others, doesn't it? So it could be in spite of them or it could be doing <laughs> yeah. it for them, you know, but it's, I think others can be quite helpful, but ultimately it comes down to us. And then that moment where you, you could just leg it or not do something. That's the moment of truth, isn't it? And that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very, very determined. And I think, part of it too you know I I don't want to say I, I didn't want to let you down <laughs> but you know I I did want to prove I'd been telling people in the group you know there was one one girl in particular who had a very very hard time um on a trip going on a trip Mm. This was like a couple of months before I went on. I my remember, trip. yeah, yeah, you know who I mean. And uh, I, I gave her a lot of pep talks, you know. And and I was just I, because by that time I I had understood more about the safety, and I just I just wanted to say to her, it's because she was convinced that it wasn't safe. She was convinced mm. she was going to die. Mm. And I just wanted to get a hold of her and say, but it's safe, you're you're safe. You know, and it's but you have to believe that yourself. Yes. And yeah. I hope she's at the point now because she because she did the trip and she did her trip. She did it. And I hope she's bloody proud of herself. Yeah, she, she should be. be. Yeah, she should be. And I know you're talking about and yeah. Uh, I, th I still think there's some work for her to do, and yeah. a lot of people are like that. They've, and I've seen that as we get, as the group is growing, I see people coming in, and it's interesting to see people at the kind of the beginning point of, oh, you know, can I get over this? I had this for so many years, but and it, and it, I almost would love to be able to take people like you, and say this, you know, this is this is what it'll be like. This is what will happen. Mm -hmm. You just it's it's got to be at your pace though that's the thing because there's no quick fixes for this it, it is a bit of chipping away at it 
you know keep nudging it along uh do a little bit you'll have sometimes you'll feel like amazing and then other times you'll go that's it I've, i'm a complete failure i've lost there's no point that's the end yeah and this, this is I, all I, normal I, and i don't want you know i hope people don't feel discouraged if they were in my situation and they took a flight and they didn't have this mm. the same experience that i had and i'm not saying like I said, maybe if I, I'm not saying my fear has completely gone. I, I, I feel like I will always want to kind of brush up on things and, and stay on top of it. But I would say, you know, what's interesting about the group and people in the group, and there has been like a lot of people recently mm. coming in, all these people the the reason they're in the group is because they don't want to live with this fear anymore. You're not forcing them to come into the group, no. No. <laughs> you know, and say, you've got to get over this. You know, everyone who joins that group has the desire to get up, to face this fear and get over it. And I think that is half the battle. It's, it's more than half the battle. And more in fact, half, yeah. Yeah. In fact, something I'd say to that is that I do think everyone that joins at some level wants to get rid of the fear, but it's it's like I say in the audio book. It, there's there's two there's two people that join the group. They've got the same name. One of them wants to get over the fear, and one of them wants to keep it. And it's just who wins mm. because I think there is that conflict always that if I give up being scared of flying. Therefore, I have to say, I like flying, even maybe, and then I have to take flights, and then that's it. That means there's expectations on me from people that are around me, and also, yeah. if I suddenly start flying and I haven't flown for ten years, there could be some crap that comes my way. They're going, what we've put up with for the last, you know. So all of this stuff gets in yeah. the way. Yeah, see, I, I didn't have any of that. I guess I I was quite lucky that I didn't I didn't have any of that. I know that. Yeah, that is that that is an issue for mm. you, the, the interesting thing is like everyone, you know, there might be people like I said in my in the same kind of situation as me, but you know, everyone has their own reasons, their own fears, their all these different things going on. I I think the the real the work really. I think the hardest part in all this is to really sit down and identify what you're fearful of. Because mm. I know for me, like I said right at the start, I, I knew exactly what what it was. And and you know, to be to give myself a bit of a break, I the last time I flew, or you know, before this trip, things might work might not have been quite as you know, thing, things have advanced quite a lot in 25 years, you know, not to mention the whole, I mean, the whole security thing. Oh, yeah. and this just just as a little aside here. So yesterday I was reading the newspaper and I read that they're planning on scrapping the 100 mil thing. And there was some other change in the, in the security or something, something to do with maybe laptops or something. And my first thought was, oh, well, that's not a good thing, you know? And I, I, I could feel myself getting a bit anxious. 
So now what I need to do is I need to become knowledgeable about mm. they wouldn't do, they wouldn't make these changes if they didn't believe that there was, they could still keep that level of security. No, um, I mean, no, a decision like that. I hadn't heard that, but so as Andy Blackwell said in his podcast, you know, everything like that, there's a risk assessment and they sort of weigh it up and also tech improved so you think that rule came in after september the 11th the 100 mil thing mm-hmm. around that sort of time yeah well, I, I might be slightly wrong on my facts here but it's been in place a long long time in 20 years the technology in terms of detecting stuff yeah yeah has improved i mean there's lots of stuff that goes on that there's lots of security that happens at the airport a lot of people never see anyway all of yeah. this stuff is improving, so it's it's always about what you know. What's the what's the reasonable thing to do here, and does it add any value by limiting stuff, which creates yeah. more time, more time in security queues? Is it actually making us any safer or not? So there's a the risk assessment. There's been a huge. I all know there's been a huge piece of work to get to this point. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's kind of you know I, I think. I think when you've lived with like a fear for so long, you know, it's it's almost like your default mm. brain, you know, it's, you know, that's, so that was like my, my first thought, but again, it just comes back to this, you know, get, get the facts yeah. and, and, you know, like you talked about risk assessment and right in my first podcast, you know, it was, I talked about, for me, it was you know my my risk assessment was was all off, and that's that was the one of the biggest things that I had to kind of yeah. get straight in, in my mind. And yeah, I think we, we, I think a lot of people in the group have that same. Yeah, I mean it's just a flight at the end of the day. I mean, we we build it up to be something more than that. But it's just a flight. It's a mode of transport, phenomenally exactly. yeah. safe, backed up procedural regulated etc etc but it's just a flight you know so it's yeah. it's so easy to let this thick this beast stop us doing stuff and and it is really just a, a gateway to be able to go and do stuff and that's that's why we do it yeah life's yeah. too short isn't it you know it is it is and and yeah it if you can't you know it, it is life-changing if you if you can do it and and I did it and and you know I know I, I I keep saying this and I I don't want people to think that I'm okay I'm all okay now I don't want mm. people to get discouraged if you know no. like I said if they don't get over there in the way that I have because I I still you know I still have a lot to to learn and a lot to kind of work through but but I'm going to say it again, if I can do it. <laughs> For me, getting on that plane and taking that flight is something I never thought I'd be able to do. Mm. So Amazing. Wow. Fiona. I've got nothing else to say. That's it. You're spent. <laughs> You've got up early to talk to me. And you've delivered wisdom upon wisdom. I think my, my caffeine is like... <laughs> That's it now. You could, so I've got it on a drip, you know, so I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> no, that, that was brilliant. Thank you so much for that. And I, I really appreciate you coming back and doing the, 
and it was I was curious to hear how you'd got on. Obviously, we because we follow the group, we know what's going on with your flights and stuff. But mm-hmm. that's and very I had a great time. I had a great time in the UK. And absolutely loved it. Loved being in the north, and I I can't wait to get back there. I loved Blackpool. People think I'm crazy. People are like Blackpool, but I absolutely loved it. There's something very quirky about Blackpool. It's a bit like, and I mean, it, it's got sort of an. They sometimes call it the Vegas of the North, or uh, but oh. it, to me, it's a bit like I don't know. I quite like the. It's like when you go to LA, and it's a little bit quirky, and you sort of feel a bit like you can does it. You could walk around in your underpants, and no one would care. <laughs> and uh, I feel like not Blackpool would you necessarily do that. So it's too bloody cold for a start. But the fact that yeah. it's got sort of a very quirky feel about it, I like that. It's a very interesting place. And mm. my my takeaway from Blackpool is, first of all, it's there's a, a huge amount of poverty there. Like it's there, you know, it's it is some areas were were very. Uh, it was a real eye opener for me, but. I have never seen such genuine people. There were families who just, I don't know, real people, just very real, Mm. you know? And it it was exactly what I I had thought because there was no reason for me to go to Blackpool, but I just had a feeling that I wanted to go. And there was um, a couple of things that I discovered while I was there, including... um, uh, it's too boring to get into, but there, there was a few things that I found that I just had a feeling I was going to find when I was there. And but yeah, we have uh, every summer in Toronto we have this thing called the X, and it's just like this big fun fair. Um, it goes on for a couple of weeks. It's crazy. There's like you know every single thing to eat is like deep, deep fried three times, you know, deep fried butter, things like that and just a lot of craziness and I said to my daughter living in Blackpool at the near the front near the seafront I said it's like it's like living at the X the whole time it's just (laughs) you know but but yeah and the town I I just I loved it and I love the people in the north I really did I spent some time in Norfolk as well with my mom and that that was nice too but I couldn't Mm. wait to get back up to the north Mm. sorry southerners but I'm from the South myself, so I can say that. <laughs> but yeah, good trip. Well, hopefully you'll get to go back soon. Yeah, well, I'm planning, hopefully, I'm not sure when the permanent move will be. I'm hoping like by the middle of next year. But but you see, now I can take a, I can plan a two-week trip. Mm. Why not? How easy would that be after the marathon? <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's the freedom. That's yes. the freedom now. It doesn't have to be a big thing. I can get on a plane. I can go for two weeks. Mm. So that's that's everything right there. Fiona, thank you very much. That was brilliant. No, thank, thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you. No, well, you did the work. You know, we put the stuff out there, but you did it. You brought yourself into it. You had the motivation. You know, you're the one that's as well on the way to smashing it, if that's the right phrase. Uh, bloody brilliant. Thank you. And thank everyone in, in the group. Everyone is amazing. Oh, they are. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah.